Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? Merry Christmas, Amy. Merry Christmas to you. We're recording this on, what do you say? Do you say Christmas Eve Eve or do you say Christmas Adam? Christmas I Adam. I say Christmas Eve Eve. I say Christmas Eve Eve. Christmas Adam, because it's funny. Yeah, I just, my whole life I've always said Christmas Eve Eve. And I actually have this thing with my parents um, about who's the first one to say to say it every year. And I sent a text to them this morning and I was the winner. I got to them before they could get to me. You have an extra so, hour on them. That's not fair. My dad's an early riser. It's uh it 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 works out. He was up. Okay. Well, congratulations, I guess, for winning a Thanks. prize that doesn't exist. Hey, champion for another year. But it is we are recording this today on uh December twenty third. So excited to get ready for kind of the family festivities. Uh, we will be in town for a few more days through Christmas Day and then uh, get to be at home and then we'll be headed to Nashville for a few oh, days. Okay, so. you're going to be here. All right. right. Well, sounds good. We'll be careful, uh, you as well as everyone else who's traveling. Uh, we'll, we'll do a day down in Birmingham, but for the most part, we'll be here in Nashville. So, uh, yeah. So everyone who's traveling, uh, maybe you're listening to this as you're traveling. And if so, tweet us and tell us where you're headed. It'd be That's kind of right. fun to, to hear where everybody's <laughs> headed. So um, maybe some people are going to bowl games. Maybe not because they've gotten canceled because of COVID. I don't know. A lot of them have, yes. Yes. So who knows? I was pretty upset about the Gator Bowl. I, I, the, one of the first memories I have as a kid is me and my parents going to the Gator Bowl in 1988, I believe. Um, I don't know if it was the 88 Gator Bowl or the Gator Bowl from the 88 season. Like at the, I don't remember, but um, we went to Jacksonville and LSU beat South Carolina, thirty-one to thirteen. So I never went to a bowl game, but my one bowl memory is when I was in college. My brother was in this like huge thing with all of his friends, where they, you know, kind of like fantasy football type oh, thing yeah. or whatever. Pick the it, winners, it, mm-hmm. right? So it was in this huge thing with all his friends, and we went on a trip. My dad had a meeting up in Alaska. And so we were in Alaska. We were staying in this uh, kind of remote area. And it was one of the spots where they only had like a couple of television stations and they would buy time on them. You know, so you might actually this this is a crazy thing, but you might actually have something from NBC and then it would switch to something from CBS. It would just kind of depend. The The local station would like buy certain things. So we are watching this ball game and Jim is keeping track of all of his stuff. And then the time hit and the game was still going on. It was going into overtime or something like that. And, uh, it immediately switched to like some TV show. So this is like the Heidi game yeah. that was told for years. Uh-huh. And, uh, there's no, remember, I mean, we don't have like internet cell phones, you know, anything like that. And so we're just stuck in this cabin playing dominoes with him not knowing what happened. Oh man. There was a, there was a tension in the air. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. That, so yeah. that is my memory of, of bowl games was a really crucial, crucial game. So I don't remember what the game was, but yeah, for those of you wondering what the Heidi game is, ask your parents because yeah. that, that's a thing. And we'll it would, I, I, I cannot believe if that would happen today. Like that would There's absolutely, got, people would lose got their to minds. Be, We'll drop a Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, it's got to be a Wikipedia yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Raiders, it was a, maybe. I wonder who made that decision. Who made that call? That I don't know. It was time to show the movie Heidi, which I loved that movie as a child, but never time seen to show it. it and you switch. It doesn't matter that the game's still going on. Somebody just said it's time to play the TV movie and we're going to switch to it. And um, I don't believe that ever happened again. So, yeah, not not like that. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, Amy, enough Heidi talk. Let's get into our SBC news and information this week. Before we do that, we do want to thank our sponsor each and every week here on the podcast, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. All the upheaval and disruption the past two years have left many asking, what does ministry look like now? And the Ministry Now Conference will answer this question. On March 22nd to 24th of 2022, experienced ministry leaders from across the nation will gather at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas to explore how God's churches can thrive in this ever-changing ministry context. Founded on an unyielding commitment to biblical truth, built by expert practitioners, and designed to encourage and equip God's people in every area of ministry, this gathering will empower you to live your calling wherever you serve God. So join us in Fort Worth, Texas on March 22nd to 24th. Discounted registration ends January 15th, so reserve your tickets now at swbts.edu slash ministrynow2022. So that's swbts.edu ministrynow2022. So looking forward to that conference. And uh, we got all the information about that over at the show notes. So you can just uh, click the link, bounce over there and register for that. And uh, see you in Fort Worth. All right, Amy, light news week this week. Thankfully, it's a holiday week. It's a short week too. kind of recording this a little bit early. But uh, we start with an update from the Sex Abuse Task Force and uh, what's going on with them. The SBC Sexual Abuse Task Force released an update on Monday, December 20th. They stated that they've made significant progress and that the investigation is now shifting to collecting and reviewing relevant documents, particularly those in electronic form that are related to the SBC Executive Committee. Um, essentially, the this is one of the updates. They said they would give updates throughout. So this is that's what they're doing. They're letting folks know what's going on. So it just doesn't, you know, kind of a lot of times you have this motion and then no one really knows the work that is happening. And it was pretty clear from the beginning that this task force would would make sure they kept people updated as to what was happening. Uh, the task force also said that um, that Guidepost has continued to conduct interviews with survivors, witnesses, current and former EC members and staff. Um, sexual abuse survivors will not be directly contacted by the task force. They have the ability, if they would like to give their story, they can do so through the Guidepost website or there's an email. We've got a Baptist Press story that we will we'll link to that. They also reported that there is a survivor care liaison that will provide support to survivors if needed after they participate in the Guidepost investigation. So that is with answering any further questions, managing expectations, offering counseling services as needed. And, you know, for those who may be wondering sort of what what that is or what role that can play, it can be incredibly difficult to retell your story, especially after the trauma uh, that these survivors have been through. But Guidepost has a specific role in this, and that's to gather information. And so if they are focused on that, then some of the care that is needed, um, it makes it difficult to try to sort of do all of it. So they have gotten someone that can be a care liaison uh, to help with just to help with any sort of resulting things uh, from these conversations. And I think that's that's a good thing. Very helpful. Yeah. 
so, uh, so anyway, that's just a, that that's just an update as to where things are going into the new year. All right. Yep. So that's the update there as we uh, end the year on that. And uh, again, they continue to do their work over at Guidepost as well as the Sex Abuse Task Force. All right, Amy, some sad news out of Virginia. Longtime Baptist leader T.C. Pinckney has passed away this week at age 91. Oh, man, this was uh, very much a presence in SBC life, but also in SBCV life uh, in Virginia. So T.C. Pinckney was a retired brigadier general, and he was very involved in the Southern Baptist Convention, particularly during the uh, controversy of the 1980s, 1990s. He was quite a, a man, quite a personality, did just made incredible contributions. So the first time I really saw him was at an SBCV meeting when I was there. Obviously, we were at uh, Waverly Baptist Church. And, and so what I remember is this man with this, I mean, per, his beard was perfection. Like he had a presence that he walked in the room and you knew everyone knew who he was. I just didn't. And then he <laughs> stood up. He stood up and would say, you know, I'm T.C. Pinckney. I'm a messenger from, you know, wherever. And people would always respond. Thank you, General Pinckney. And it was like you what you realized was everyone in that room knew who he was. So then I, you know, start to kind of figure out because he put this this he had this paper that he published, the Baptist banner. And of course, we would get it. So then I start to put the names together. I figure out it took, took a little while for me to, to understand his whole story and background. Uh, but he was very involved in the conservative resurgence. He was on the executive committee in 1992. He proposed the amendment to the SBC constitution, specifically addressing homosexuality and uh, friendly cooperation. He also made the motion at the 1999 SBC annual meeting that would revise the Baptist faith and message. And then he served on the Baptist faith and message committee in 2000. And he was second vice president of the Southern Baptist convention in 2002. So right. Hey, trivia moment, Amy, do you know okay. who was first vice president that year? In I 2002? do. It was Ed Litton. Oh, you got me. You knew it. Yes. Yes. Of course. You so knew it. yes. You know who's so, president? Uh, James Merritt. Uh, yeah, that was an easy one. All right. Yeah. So he was a charter member of Good News Baptist Church in Alexandria, and his pastor, Cal Wallace, called him a model church member, true gentleman, and excellent churchman. And he was just the type of man that uh, when he would stand at the microphone, there was just a real grace about him. And uh, speaking of him at the microphone, Amy, the picture that we use at Baptist Press, it's an old file photo from an older article uh, that we had, I think, in 2015 when he was honored in the uh, at the SBCV, but this, this picture cracks me up because he scratched out his name on his messenger name tag, scratched it out and wrote TC. Like that's I am right. not Thomas, I am TC. That's it's just that's who he it, was. Yeah, just funny. And I was like, what a yeah. boss! That's so awesome. Yeah, so, very cool man. Yep. Yeah. So uh, prayers to his family and and all those in the SBCV. I know. They were saddened to hear of this news. So a quote from Brian Autry in the post as well over at Baptist Press. So you can read more about T.C. Pinckney over at Baptist Press. General, thank you for your service. Amy, we have done uh, graduations the last couple of weeks, and we've got a couple of more stories today and a special story 
from your neck of the woods. But we start in Kansas City at Midwestern. I've long said that the Midwestern Auditorium is one of the best in the SBC for like congregational singing. And right. I think that's what they're doing here in this picture. It's it's pretty awesome. They're getting after it. So little congregational singing on the campus of Midwestern. Yeah. So they held commencement exercises December 10th. It was the 70th commencement in the history of the school. That's awesome. So that was kind of neat that there were 224 students that graduated uh, with various degrees. So really exciting. Steve Dighton, founding pastor of Lenexa Baptist Church in Lenexa, Kansas, was the guest speaker for the day. And just a just a very special, a special time. 29 ministry leaders earned their Spanish language certificates in this. That's awesome. That was a particular milestone. Yeah. Very cool. So congratulations to those graduates. And then Southeastern had 237 fall graduates in uh, various, across various degree programs. And uh, Danny Aiken delivered his regular commencement address on uh, John 316, which is just an incredible, incredible thing. And that was a special, we talked about that when I was headed over to graduation a few weeks ago, lots of friends of the pod graduating and got to see Nora and Leo and oh, uh, cool. Becca Stone King and, and several of those. So, uh, so it's a, just a, a wonderful time, but Southeastern had a special graduation yeah. after that. Yeah. So t- we had 24 graduates collecting a bachelor of arts diploma in pastoral ministry at Nash Correctional Institution in Nashville, North Carolina. And this was our first inmates to graduate in the prison ministry that is similar to what uh, New Orleans Seminary and Southwestern Seminary have done through the years. But this was the first graduating class for Southeastern. And that was a really special, uh, really special day, this inaugural class. Um, This is one of Keith's favorite programs to teach in. He just absolutely loves it. That these, uh, you know, these students are among the most committed that they have. And so now what will happen is as these, uh, as these students have graduated, they will then be sent out to various facilities across the state. Most of these are in for life and they will plant churches uh, or they will minister in the, the places where they are. So it's really, really cool. And uh, the speakers were Danny Aiken and Joe Gibbs. He is always coach. Uh, coach always is speaking at the convocation or whatever, and he was definitely not going to miss graduation. That's so, so. cool. Yep. That's so cool. I, I love the Joe Gibbs, uh, you know, and all the stuff that he's got going on. I mean, because he's got a lot, folks. Yeah. That, uh, that he's he's taking the time out for this in, in North Carolina and really really investing in this and making it happen. Oh yeah, and let me just say, you know, it, he, this he's not just this sort of the major supporter in the name. I mean, he comes and he builds relationships with these students. Um, they love him. He knows their names. He connects with them. He's really giving his life to this program. So it's, it's really cool. It's a great partnership. Yep, absolutely. All right. Hey, so that's going to do it for our news this week. And instead of our, our typical finishing segments of the resources of the week and this week in SBC history, we're going to do one of our favorite year end exercises here where Amy puts on her Barbara Walters hat and gives us the 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists of the year. So, Amy, yes. I'm going to turn it over to you. Explain explain the system here and, right. and the ranking, because there is no ranking. It's not There's like no this is the most fascinating person, even though we kind of made that joke last week that Rebecca Naylor was kind of like the, 
the reigning champ. But anyway, yeah. But there's no there's no ranking, and then here are here are the rules. So these are this is not a like, like person of the year you know kind of thing. It's not not anything like that. Also, not official, by the way. Correct, not official. It's a list of people who I just find fascinating for various reasons. And so I, I put this together. I loved this Barbara Walters special that would come every year. And I like to pick people from different walks of life and folks that maybe some, some that you maybe haven't heard of uh, just to share a little bit about, give some insight. And then some you have. So uh, like to have contributions from different areas, there's going to be some names that you recognize on here. There may be some names you don't, and then there may be some that sound familiar, but you are not certain who that is. That happened to me and a couple so, of Yeah, yeah, because I sent, I sent you the list. I was very glad, actually, that I, I stumped you on a couple of you them. You didn't stump me. I just didn't exactly know who they were. You're I was like, like who I know is that name, that? but can't really place it. Yeah. So again, this is in, in no particular order. But it's 10 fascinating Southern Baptists from 2020. All right. So first up, I'm going to name someone who is from my area, actually, lives here in Wake Forest, Raleigh area, um, and actually is personal connection connected with Southeastern and uh, with Summit Church, with my church. So this is Nathan Rostenpour. All right. Nathan was focused on in a Baptist press story not long ago for the online ministry that he uh, has started that's helping plant secret house churches in closed countries. So essentially what he's doing is he has, is developing curriculum to train the secret house churches that are online. So there's nothing in this is like naming, you know, the, the house churches or things, but he's got a weekly online Sunday church service on Instagram. He's producing a podcast. He's offering free sermons, worship songs, discipleship, leadership training resources on his website and YouTube, all in Farsi. And Instagram is the only platform that's not blocked that offer that's offered for, for fellowship. And he uses, um, end to end encrypted programs. So he doesn't use text, phone calls or Facebook. He's helped plant 14 secret house churches in six States all through online outreach. So, uh, they're small, about 10 people each. They have locations and activities secret. Uh, it's an incredible story. And, um, and, and just a, just kind of an amazing thing. So it's and, and just kind of an amazing thing. He also is here at uh, Southeastern and he works, does some things for the center for faith and culture, I think. Uh, so what I've included for those who are interested is, is the Baptist press story about what Nathan is doing along with a Christ and culture podcast where he talks about his journey from Islam to Christianity, his experiences as a secret house church pastor, and then what he's doing now as an online leadership trainer for the persecuted church. So we'll have those links in the show notes. So you can listen to that podcast, kind of a cool resource. So I thought that Nathan was fascinating. I was at our, uh, uh, I was at our worship service where he was brought up on stage and talked about prayed for, and I thought it was just an incredible, incredible thing. So first one is Nathan Rostempour. Second is Frank Williams. 
Frank Williams is no stranger uh, this podcast. He is the new president this year of the National African American Fellowship, the Southern Baptist Convention. But he also, he is the, a pastor in New York, pastors two congregations, Wake Eden Community Baptist Church in the Bronx and Bronx Baptist Church. And so he's the senior pastor of of both of those, but there are some really incredible stories about him. One, we covered him a couple of years ago in Baptist press, because remember he had a huge issue with his family getting hit with COVID in the early days of the pandemic. It was really scary. Um, his, uh, younger, young children, um, wife, all, all of these, they had to quarantine together until Easter, very difficult situation, but Frank Williams has had tremendous leadership in NAF and also in the New York area. And I just, I think that he's, so, and I just think he's bringing incredible leadership to that. So I wanted to include him. I think he is definitely fascinating. I've got a couple of Baptist press stories along with a wall street journal profile that was done of him. Um, and just before Thanksgiving. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Tells his whole story. Next up, is Ted Barrett. All right, do you know See, who this, this is, is? This is the one that it, you got to the point where I was like, I know the name, I think, but yeah, I don't really know. So this is where, like I said, I like to hit some different industries, different areas. You, you're doing a deep dive here. Yes. So Ted Barrett is a full-time umpire for Major League Baseball. Oh, yeah. And right. yes, and he is an ordained Southern Baptist minister, and he he works the World Series. That's pretty which, awesome. Which the Braves won. Go Braves. Yes. Signed Freddie Freeman. Hurry up. I'm, I'm aware. So I think that was pretty cool. He has been an umpire for Major League Baseball since 1999. Baptist Press has covered his uh, his testimony. He also got, had, there was a story about him in the New York Times about the ministry um, that he co-founded, Calling for Christ. Um and it was the fifth, this was the fifth time he got called up to work in the World Series. So that's pretty cool. We had a, a Southern Baptist minister work in the World Series. And I know all those Atlanta Braves fans uh, are very happy about that and probably uh, loved him. We got the most recent story from Baptist Press in there. And you can go back and look at the others, including the New York Times profile as well. So Ted Barrett, fascinating Southern Baptist ministering in the major leagues. All right, now I got another one. Ron Crow. Tell me if you know who that is. Uh, I'm drawing a complete blank on that one. I even t told you this the other day. Well, I know, but I, I forgot. It's been, a, it's been a hot minute, all right? All right. Ron Crow started a new job this year, February 1. He was oh. the pastor of First Baptist Church Diamond in Southwest Missouri. Yeah. And at the beginning of this year, the Lord called him to head up Kentucky Baptist Convention's Disaster Relief Ministry. Ron's had a busy couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. So Ron Crow is the disaster relief leader in Kentucky. And as we have Southern Baptist disaster relief teams on the ground from states all over, he is the leader that is heading up the entire effort in Kentucky after these tornadoes ha have hit. So Ron came from Missouri. He had gotten involved in disaster relief in 2003 when a chainsaw team came to his area in Carl Junction to help out. 
And so the Main Street Baptist Church that was there uh, in near where he lived was housing the team. And he started to see how effective they were. So he asked his director of missions in 2003, why can't we do the same thing here? And the DOM said, why don't you do it? And so he led the Spring River Baptist Association to outfit a chainsaw recovery unit, a skid steer machine, and a shower trailer. And then he was the associate director for a while for the Missouri Baptist Convention Disaster Relief, as well as training people around the state. And it really affected him, deepened his heart for ministry. And so he really wanted to help. This was an important thing. There was a, a specific incident that I think showed his leadership. There was a duck boat, an amphibious duck boat that sank near Branson. And yeah. so a lot of, yeah, a lot of folks were yeah, lost during the, the rainstorm. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So that a number of people were lost, several people drowned. There was a sudden rainstorm. And so Missouri Baptist Convention disaster relief teams ministered to the first responders. And when that happened, I think his, the, this story from the pathway shows that his leadership was really showcased in that. So he obviously was very qualified to go to Kentucky and, and to do what he did. Well, now there he is. He is the one that is leading this, this whole effort in Kentucky. So I've got a few articles that I've thrown in one from the pathway when he first came to that position, but then also some of things, some of the things that have been going on in the last few weeks in Kentucky. So our prayers are with Ron Crow. My guess is he's going to have a very busy Christmas because disaster relief work doesn't stop, but boy, we are so grateful for his contribution and for all the workers that are there. Uh, so I wanted to highlight him because I think what, what an incredible calling um, that he that he has in that. All right, so Ron Crow. Now I got another one. Jonathan Buckner. No, sorry. Doesn't ring a bell. No. Jonathan Buckner is part of a bluegrass band. Oh, called Chosen Road. Yeah, Chosen Road. The revitalization and replant guys the, did the That's song right. International Harvester. That's right. So he was one of the founding members. He's from West this Virginia. This is like no context Southern Baptist naming. You realize this. It's like you just give me a name and like I try know, to figure out where happy. this comes from. I'm trying in to stump a you. group of 14 million people. But it shows how I, I, I get to highlight how these are fascinating people that you don't even know about. Yeah, All right. So he was well, a founding member. I know about member. him. I just like he, he is, I, I'm having to put yes. people in different buckets here. He was a founding right. member of Chosen Road. That is a, a very uh, successful bluegrass band. They had a 2018 album called The Storm in Me, and it produced six top 10 singles on Bluegrass Today's airplay charts. And their album reached number one on Bluegrass Today's Bluegrass Gospel chart. And then they also had an album uh, called Appalachian Worship, which spent 30 weeks on Billboard's top bluegrass album chart and it peaked at number four yeah they also I like have uh, Apple. i talked about bluegrass yeah. it was like my resource of the week a couple weeks ago lateral blue that's right Been so wearing they that have, um, yeah they had another one um appalachian hymns so lots of great great things um they have partnered with nam so they basically are the bluegrass band of the North American Mission well, Board. They're the bluegrass um, band of Mark Clifton. Let's just get real here for a second. Mark okay, Clifton, they're the, they're the background singers for Mark Clifton. That Fair enough. Uh, but they've connected with Mark Clifton and they are, are really doing a lot of collaborating at events and, and uh, 
helping out with things. I think there was a, there's a, a particular song maybe that, that has become really important. And so they, they started wanting to get involved. So they are the unofficial bluegrass band of the replant team at NAM. And so they released the song uh, international harvester as part of their Appalachian worship album. And it invokes imagery of a struggling church pastor resting in the truth that Jesus will one day return as the ultimate harvester and rescue his people into eternity. So pretty cool. Uh, There's pretty a cool video. We'll put the video in the, uh, the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Jonathan Buckner. Buckner. All right. Now I'm going to get to a couple of names that you're going to know. And most people are, are going to know. So we'll, we'll go through these pretty quickly. One of them, fascinating. Mark Richt. Never heard of him. Oh my goodness. Had to include him. So many things to include. Uh, former coach of the University of Georgia, Georgia Bulldogs. And Miami. And Miami, yes. Man, we're hitting. I mean, we talk about Joe Gibbs and Mark Richt on this uh, on this same podcast all in one. Uh, but so he's no stranger to most listeners. But what a year. You know, we we have the um we we have that last year he was announced as the national spokesperson of Send Relief, but this year he has really participated in several things. There was a, at the at the Send lunch he was was on stage. This really cool moment, uh, an interview where he talks with Bobby Bowden, and yeah, surprised Bobby was, by him. Yeah, was yeah. was there. And Mark Richt shares, they share about how Bobby Bowden led him to the Lord. And then, of course, Mark Richt led a sports reporter to the Lord, who is now the state exec in North Carolina, Todd Unziker. So you've got this kind of uh, domino effect here. And so really meaningful, really meaningful connection. There's also a Q&A that, uh, a virtual Q&A that, um, Todd Unziker and Mark Richt did. So we've got a story about, uh, we got a Baptist press story about that. And, uh, the talking about his book, talking about their, their friendship as well as his recent diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So, yeah. you know, there's just been a lot with Mark Richt this, this year. And yeah. yeah. And, but what an incredible contribution and a commitment to evangelism. And so I definitely wanted to include him and we've got several stories about him there. All right, another one, retiring pastor this year, Al Jackson, Auburn, Alabama, Lakeview Baptist Church. I don't Church. know if I've ever met Al, but I know the name. I mean, he's a legend. Oh, man. So here's the thing. I've met him, and he's a super low-key man, but I was like starstruck when I met him because I remember learning about Al Jackson years ago uh, when I worked at Southern Seminary, and he was really you know, kind of pioneered the residential learning concept where they set up an extension center there in Auburn that was specifically at his church. And it was this internship program and they got their degrees at, at Southern seminary and his cohort of people, they were just incredible. And uh, so I watched that. I also would watch him through the years at Southern Baptist convention annual meetings where he would bring all of his interns and he just, I mean, this is a guy that had tons of respect from people, but he didn't walk around like he owned the place. He just, he just had his guys. He was getting them involved. He was just participating um, and just really staying low key. I mean, I remember seeing him in Greensboro outside the convention center 
driving like a 15 passenger van parking way out and walking these guys in. And this is somebody that really could have, you know, tried to find some way to have special VIP status. Never did. There's no way to even calculate the impact that he has had because of the interns that are all across this country and around the world, probably serving people for Christ. And so uh, he just, just had an incredible ministry and he retired this year. So I wanted to, to mention him and some things about him in, in recent days uh, that he's come on faculty that he's come on as a, as a visiting professor at, Southeastern Seminary. He's also going to be speaking at the 2022 Pastors Conference. So, uh, so he's retiring, but he's not—he's not fading away. He's got uh, plenty of ministry and leadership left. We've got three left, and it's uh, three women that I find fascinating. All right, one is a person whose name you might recognize. Well, you're going to know, but whose name our listeners might recognize, might not. Uh, but maybe don't know much about her. And that is Becky Chandler. Becky Chandler has served for decades. Um, She first served at the Baptist Sunday School Board, but then she moved over to the SBC Executive Committee, where she served as executive assistant um, to the president for years. She has uh, been assistant to the board itself. Just an incredible administrator and servant on the staff of the SBC Executive Committee. And I, I would say a friend um, to us, definitely a good friend of the pod, although I'm sure she doesn't listen, but, um, but she is. You don't most, know that. Maybe she does. I don't know. I, I don't think she does. Yeah, probably not. But she is a good friend of the pod. And what I think people don't know is how much uh, how much the staff really does behind the scenes. And in particular, Becky Chandler has been there through numerous leaders and just served with quiet faithfulness. What all she has done to really keep things running. I mean, that's, that's what she did. And that's really the role of the executive committee uh, is to keep things going during the year so that, uh, so that Southern Baptist can come together. And so I just wanted to, to mention her because I think she's just an incredible woman. I think she makes incredible contributions, but is often not seen uh, by people. And I think she's, she's probably okay with that. Um, But I, I missed her when I left the EC. I just texted with her the other day, but I know she is missed there uh, in the building and particularly will be after the new year because she's, she's retired and she's left, but it was kind of at the time where everyone was leaving for the holidays. And so when it comes time to come back to the new year, I know her absence will be felt. So uh, I, I wanted to mention her. I think she's a fascinating, incredible woman. Any, con- any added comments you want to make Jonathan? No, Becky's been an absolute delight to work with. And um, she is a, absolute trove of knowledge about the SBC, especially the executive committee and when things happen, how things happen, why things happen. So I, I mean, there are countless times where I've gone to her office and asked, Hey, you re- do you remember this? What was going on? Do you have any information on it? And within 30 seconds, she's pulling out a folder out of the closet and she knows exactly where everything is. It's pretty awesome. So she will be sorely missed and deeply missed at the executive committee. All right. Last two. One from Alabama, Dana McCain. I know her. 
if you didn't know Dana McCain before this year, I think you did after the annual meeting in Nashville. So Dana McCain is an incredible writer. Uh, she writes op-eds in Alabama. Uh, there and at, for Baptist Press, by the way. Yes, and for Baptist Press. Yes. So she uh, she writes. You can find her her columns on um, al.com. She writes about faith, culture, and politics. She also served on the SBC Committee on Resolutions this year, had a speech on the stage that uh, a lot of people were passing around. So I've got a link to that where someone posted it on Twitter um, and just had incredible leadership and presence up there. And she's just a great person. Like I just loved getting to know her, be around her. Um, so I have a link though to her many, many posts for al.com. So you can really see uh, her contribution. But I really, I think she is just a fascinating person. She's a mom. She's uh, a church member. She just a great, great woman all the way around. And so I wanted to include her because I had heard about Dana McCain for a few years and didn't get to meet her until this year. And man, that was to my delight. Uh, so We'll put that up there. You can see the video and her articles. All right. Last but not least, and while in no certain order, I still want to, uh, I want to say this is someone who I have long admired. And then over the last few years have gotten to know, and my admiration has only grown, but often is not known by everyone. And that is uh, Susie Hawkins. So Susie Hawkins is the wife of OS Hawkins, who is retiring this year from Guidestone. And uh, Susie is an incredible mentor to women in the SBC. She's an incredible mentor to uh, pastor's wives, to women um, in leadership positions or in uh, trying to develop as leaders. She's just unbelievable. She has a master of arts in Christian leadership and a master of arts in theology from Criswell College. She was on the Baptist Faith, the Message 2000 committee. She is co-writer and founder of Passover for Christians ministry, which encourages Christians to observe Passover from a Christian perspective as a part of their Holy Week traditions. She has written um, books or she's written a book for pastor's wives. She's written a number of articles. She studies women in SBC history. She was um, one of the submitters along with Kathy Litton of the resolution a few years ago, celebrating 100 years of women as messengers to the SBC. Uh, she has been an incredible supporter of her husband at Guidestone and a huge champion for mission dignity. I got to deal with her a few years ago over email because she would prepare prayer um, emails for the, the mission dignity recipients, giving them things about the entities to pray for. So I would correspond with her about that letting her know things that were going on at Southeastern that she could, could ask them to pray for. But then I got to meet her a few years later. And since then have been around her a fair amount through the years. And she has become a real mentor to me um, along with many others. I'm part of countless women who look up to her, but her knowledge of women in the, in SBC history is just incredible and uh, she is very well loved. And so I think she's going to continue to have influence. But with this being a year as they make uh, a ministry transition, 
with the retirement from Guidestone. I wanted to highlight her. She's not just a fascinating Southern Baptist in 2021. She's a fascinating Southern Baptist period. And uh, one of those that kind of like Al Jackson, I don't know that we'll ever know the depth of her impact. So I, uh, I wanted to throw her in there again. These are not ranked, but they are 10 most fascinating Southern Baptists of 2021. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah, and there you have it, folks. Some we know, some we know very well, and some maybe many of us just maybe heard for the first time today. So it's a, but this is a cool cross section, though. I love when you do this, Amy, because it shows the contributions of, you know, I think what people would call, you know, the everyday Southern Baptist, you know, people that, that don't have the, the, the prestigious positions or the fancy titles or something like that, but are still, you know, the ones out there really making a difference in ways that many of us don't know about every day. Just don't even yeah, realize and, it. And to, to realize that everything from using the internet to reach house churches around the world to uh, connecting with major league baseball players, to um, bluegrass bands, to doing things for, up and coming pastors and for women everywhere. And it's just, it's incredible. The impact, if you looked and saw the impact that all these people were having uh, disaster relief, evangelism and college football. I mean, it's just kind of an amazing, an amazing thing. So yeah, that's what I like to do with this list. Again, this is not person of the year, story of the year. This is just highlighting some, uh, some things that are really neat and special about those that are, out there in the SBC. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Amy, thank you for that. And uh, again, thanks to our sponsor, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary over in Fort Worth, Texas. Check out that Ministry Now conference over at uh, the link in the show notes. It's swbts.edu slash ministry now 2022 for more information on that conference. And this will do it pretty much for our news episodes this year. I'm going to drop this on Thursday uh, you know, the day we're recording this, so get it out a day early or so because tomorrow's Christmas Eve and, and, uh, I know a lot of you be traveling maybe today or tomorrow. So be able to listen to this while you're traveling for Christmas. And then on Monday, real quick on Monday, we'll have our year ender where we look back at the biggest stories of the year, as well as the 10 questions we had for Southern Baptists in 2021. Kind of answer those questions. That'll be a fun discussion. And then next Thursday, I think we're going to have the look ahead to 2022. So uh, this Thursday, next Thursday, we're dropping episodes just because the others are kind of holidays and want to get those out before everybody kind of gets busy and everything. And it also gives us a chance to to take a break on those days too. So Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, y'all can have something the day before this year. So uh, getting that out to you. So that's the schedule up and coming for the next week or so. And then we'll be back to kind of the regularly scheduled episodes that first week in January. All right. Well, Amy, Merry Christmas, and I'll see you next week. See you next week.